What's up, everyone? My name is Cody Smith, and this is the Create Yourself Podcast. This is your source for evidence-based fitness information, nutrition, mindset, or just weekly inspiration. I want to take this opportunity to thank you for spending some time with me today and taking information from me that you can apply in your life to achieve the results you are wanting. This podcast was made with the vision to provide free information to listeners who want to expand in their mind, progress in their life, and change their body for the better. This podcast is called Create Yourself Podcast for a reason. That reason is that I truly believe that anyone at any time can create themselves. Now let's get into today's episode and let's grow together. What's going on everybody and welcome back to the show today. I do want to apologize that there was no episode put out last week. Uh, the past few weeks, I have been preparing for this nutrition seminar that I put on inside of my gym called uh, Why Diets Fail and How to Achieve Sustainable Fat Loss. You can go ahead and email me if you want to get access to that. I'm Cody at CrossTheSevenCities.com. But that being said, I spent the better half of two weeks preparing for that seminar. Tons of information went in it, into it, tons of researching. Oh man, I really jumped into it on that. I, I was so happy with how that turned out. But all those things being said, I was unable to record a podcast. So this is me playing catch up. This week is going to be another Q&A. I'm going to go over a couple of different topics, uh, stretching before workouts, intermittent fasting, metabolism, best rep schemes, depending on what results you want, and then uh, a few other client questions as well. Now, before we jump into the show, I want you to go ahead and do me a favor. I want you to go ahead and take a screenshot with your phone. Post it on your Instagram story, and I want you to tag me in it. I am at the CF7C Coach. The reason why I ask you to do that is because the, the really the reason why I do this is all about creating impact. All about, and if, you know, if you listen to this podcast in any capacity, you know that podcasting to me is huge. It caused a huge shift in my life and how I do business as a person. So the reason why I do a podcast is to essentially just pay that forward. I want to go over topics that. I find to be extremely interesting things that I decide that are, you know, can cause a lot of thought provoking things inside of your mind. And then the guests that I bring on are people that can bring value to you because I know that if you're given an hour to me to listen to this show or to that particular guest, you're looking to get something to advance in your life. And, and you know, the podcast is called Create Yourself Podcast. And, and you know, through podcasting and other sources of educational uh, information, things like that. Through these different elements, I was able to create myself and to make my, you know, make who I am into who I am based off of those things. So if you can take a screenshot, post it, tag me in it. It's important to let me know that I am reaching people and that this is offering you some sort of value while you listen to it. Now, without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get into the show. Enjoy it. And as always, we'll talk to you next time. All right, and we're going to go ahead and jump into the questions for today. <clears throat> so a lot of times when I do these Q&As, it is all based off of client questions, questions that I get off of social media from things like Instagram and Facebook and all these different elements. But these are questions nonetheless that come from a lot of you who are probably listening. And then, you know, if you're a person who is listening today and you do have a question, that door is always open. Again, me asking people that I look up to and me asking coaches and mentors questions have provided me tons of value and it always allows me to get a direct answer to some things that I want to know and some things that a lot of times if I can get the answer to that question, I can go to apply it into my life. And a quote that I love that will go with that whole thing is, you know, we want to get information first, 
then we want to get integration of that information and then we can get transformation. And I didn't make that up. I actually got that from one of my mentors, uh, Luca Hosovar. Um, love that guy. Tons of great information, great resource to just grow and learn. But I got that quote from him and it's been great in my life and something that I use like, hey, it's not enough to just take information, but it, we have to go and we have to apply it into whatever you know modality of our life that we are working towards. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into the first question today. So client asked, how do you feel about stretching before workouts? Now, let's go ahead and rewind a little bit a couple years because if you would ask me that question, just like all things, as we grow as people, as we grow as coaches, you know, whatever profession, parents, relationship, if we're doing it correctly, we are trying to grow and to be better, to be more informed, to be better educated in whatever particular topic or subject that we are working on. Now, stretching before a workout back in the day, used to be thought of as a horrible thing. I remember sitting at <clears throat> uh, my USAW Olympic weightlifting certification and you know, there's one guy leading it and they had a couple people with him. And then somebody asked that question. They're like, hey coach, how do you feel about stretching prior to doing weightlifting? And I, I felt kind of bad for that person because I can remember feeling uncomfortable because the way it was answered by some of the, the particular coaches, I guess, peers that were with him or people that were helping to run the seminar, the way that question was answered was like so matter-of-factly of like, how dare you ask such a stupid question? And clearly that person was asking that question because they didn't know. They, they were ignorant and you don't know what you don't know. So the, you know, basically the person says that you don't want to do any stretching before because it will make your gains be less. And, and, and that thought process came from a, a, few, a few studies that were done back in the day that were, you know, several years ago that were saying that when you do stretch or you do any sort of things that elongate your muscle, that it will decrease the, like how hard that particular muscle can contract or how much you can lift or, or, or move in that particular area where you're working at. Now, the thing that it's not enough to just like regurgitate the content, but you have to look at the context as well. So what was important to remember about those studies that that particular person was quoting to this person and asked that question, the, the context of those studies, when we go back and we look at it, were actually could be misleading because really at the end of the day, what can affect your training, like what, what type of stretching that can affect your training is going to be how long you hold particular stretches, how aggressive or the, like the intensity that you do these different stretches at because we know now that doing 20, 30, 40 seconds of, you know, even a minute of, you know, moderate stretching on particular areas, there's no signs in the studies now, in the data now, that shows that that can affect you in a negative way. So back in the day, these stretches were being held for 90 seconds to two minutes. I, I read one study where, you know, they would hold a stretch for like 10 minutes and then go ask the person to perform a particular muscle contraction or a particular exercise. And then they saw negative returns. And then they went and posted basically that stretching can affect your gains <laughs> uh, if you do it prior to stretch or if you stretch prior to exercising or resistance training, that it can affect you in a negative way. But we know now that that's just not the case. So when you do hold the stretches for a long duration and you're stretching very intensely, you can, in theory, and based off of some studies, affect the outcomes of your training and you know the particular performance inside of that. But there's a lot of new studies out now that the, the you know they, there's a, there's one study I actually read the other day that was three 
different groups. So one group was not stretching, another group was like dynamic stretching, which is like moving and stretching at the same time, and then one group was doing just specifically static stretching. And, and, and what the data showed inside the study is that between all three of those things, there was no decrease in performance. Um, there was no specific decrease in the, like, the outcome of that training, injury rate. I mean, none of these things, uh, the thickness, the, the, the ability to contract, like all these things didn't change no matter what type of stretching modality was used. And just because the stretching that was done on average in these studies was not very long, it was not very intense, it was literally just enough to open up specific joints or muscle, muscle or, or tendons, just to open those up to prepare that specific person for the training that day. So if you're, ask, if you're gonna ask me if stretching before a workout is bad or good, I'm gonna answer with it depends, and it only depends on the duration of your stretches and the intensity. I think 30, like inside of my training program for my clients, I'll do like 20 to 30 second holds in specific positions. You know, as an example, maybe a upper body pushing day, vertical or horizontal pushing day, it doesn't matter. I might have that person inside of their warm-up <clears throat> go through, you know, 10 to 15 band pull-aparts and then move into maybe like some shoulder rotations or some, <clears throat> or some shoulder cars and then maybe finish up with, you know, 20 to 30 seconds of a banded lat stretch on both sides. And I'll have them do that for three sets. And it works pretty well. They feel pretty good, ready to go in their training, ready to attack it. And there's no decrease in performance whatsoever. It helps them to get prepared and activated for that day and then to open the specific joints and muscle tissue around the areas they plan to work. So at the end of the day, duration and intensity of your stretching is all that is important to pay attention to during, or I'm sorry, before your training that day. It doesn't seem to be beneficial. It doesn't seem to harm you in any specific performance or other adaptations um, or adaptations throughout your training. And uh, it will, however, over time, um, like if you want to, if you're actually trying to make like muscle tissue change and range of motion improvements, then you're going to need to get intense. And that should be done like hours before training or hours after training. All right, so next question. Cody, what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting? So I have answered this particular question uh, a number of times. I think intermittent fasting is more of an adherence tool and not so much of a, like a lot of the reason why people like intermittent fasting is because it's, they think this, it's this magical thing that like, there were some things that came out years ago where they were like, you know, if you do intermittent fasting and you do some cardio with it in the morning, you know, it's been shown to call on specific body fat stores and, and this, that, and the other. Now, what we do know is that the, our body, a lot of times, if you are doing like an intermittent fast from like the night before until, you know, well into the morning, we know that your body's probably still digesting the food from dinner the night before. And, and the only thing that studies are showing now that <clears throat> back up any sort of fasting protocol is if you fast for, you know, at a minimum of like 24 hours. Because I, I would believe at that point you can get some of the health benefits of that, you know, decreasing, you know, decreasing your insulin resistance. You can work on, um, a lot of times if like, if somebody has a lot of digestive issues, you can put them onto a fast for 24 hours because they're essentially just cleaning out all the things that are inside of their body and getting rid of them. So I think intermittent fasting should be looked at as a way for you to help to stick to your diet. Like if you're a person that just doesn't 
like breakfast and you're still going to eat the amount of calories and food that you need for that day later on in the day, then intermittent fasting could be helpful for you. If you're a person that is eating the right amount of food and maybe you want to trick yourself into putting yourself into a calorie deficit, you can use intermittent fasting. But if you're going to still overeat and you still do a fast in the morning, which is what we see a lot of people do with intermittent fasting because you know they're hungry from the morning and they tend to overeat throughout the rest of the day, then I would say that intermittent fasting is not something that you really need to put too much, like you don't need to put too much weight on that because I just don't think it's gonna help you in the way that you're hoping it's gonna help you. So intermittent fasting can be good. My question is why would you use it? What is the goal with using it? What is your lifestyle? And then we can jump into the intermittent intermittent fasting conversation and whether it works for you. And if you're working with a coach or doing this on your own, those are the questions you need to ask yourself. Now, moving on from there, next question. What is metabolism? Well, good question because it, it some people will explain it differently. You know, uh, my good friend, uh, Dr. James J. Tata, he does a really good explanation of it. And um, I forget, it's like something like it's the stress barometer, it's a chemistry, it's, it's all these different things. It's a calculator. But let's talk about what it is on a basic level. And this is like by definition, what uh, a good way to explain it. So metabolism is a process that your body goes through in which it extracts energy from food and it helps you to do different biological processes. And, and, and because in the, mo- the molecules in food that we consume have things like amino acids, sugar, fats, and all of these different things contain energy. And, and the process of metabolism is extracting these things from those molecules and then turning it into something called ATP. Now, ATP is adenosine triphosphate, and it's essentially like our body's energy currency. Now, <clears throat> the reason why that's important to know is because, especially in, in the conversation of dieting and fat loss and things like that, a lot of people aren't eating enough food. And, and a lot of times when people are asking like questions about metabolism, it's because they're probably thinking that their body is like has a slow metabolism. But in that particular conversation, I would always ask, I would always ask follow-up questions of like, what are your diet practices currently? Are you eating enough? You know, what's your stress level? Um, what's your sleep amount every day? Like all these different things go into like how your metabolism works and functions. And then you got to remember too that your metabolism is very much intertwined into um, like your body's adaptation to stress. And a lot of times your metabolism can be affected negatively when you are overstressed. And, and if, or if you're in a severe calorie deficit or you're doing a shortcut diet or it's the 20th time in a series of yo-yo diets you're trying to lose 20 plus pounds, then your metabolism can be affected negatively. But uh, based off of just this question alone, before I go into too much of a rant on the metabolism, just remember that it is a process that your body does essentially that takes food and then turns it into movement and energy to do things like helping you breathe, your heart pumping, digesting, all of these different, uh, all of these different aspects are involved in the metabolism conversation. All right, so moving on from there. All right, so this was this next part was actually a really good question, and it came from uh, a client of mine, and th- and this came in right after <clears throat> this came in right after we did our. Um, sustainable fat loss seminar. Now, what she said was, you mentioned a couple times during the seminar about how your metabolism 
can be negatively affected based off of drastic and extreme diets. And, and, I, and I talked a lot about the, the biggest loser inside of the, um, the sustainable weight loss uh, seminar that I did. I talked a lot about the biggest loser. <clears throat> and the reason why I talked about that is because the biggest loser puts people onto this like really, well, it used to, I don't even know if the show's up going on anymore, but um, the biggest loser puts people on these very extreme, like drastic diets. To, and, 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 and rightfully so, they're trying to create this crazy amount of change um, inside of this like couple week period. I can't forget how long the show used to run, but <clears throat> they're trying to create this crazy you know, weight loss turnaround to really, one, it could be a good thing because it's getting people excited about losing weight and exercising and making good food choices. But we always want to remember that inside of that conversation, like the fat loss conversation, we want to make sure it's something that's sustainable. So, uh, so I use the biggest loser reference to go into some of this stuff. But now she asked me going into this a little bit more, she says, does your metabolism bounce back to where it was before? Does it go back or does it get to a point where it won't be the same again? So based off of the definition of metabolism, which is kind of how I, why I answered them this, why I answered them this way. So when you diet drastically and you lose body fat drastically, and then like you do it too fast, your body thinks that you, your body thinks that you're going into this starvation like kind of setting. Right, so what it does is it starts to cut down on different processes. Your metabolism slows down from you know, like maybe your metabolism could could work through two thousand calories a day, and then you go into this really extreme diet, and you know you diet all the way down to thirteen hundred calories, and you kept losing weight, kept losing weight, and then after a while it slowed down. Well, that means that your metabolism has slowed down to being able to consume or to burn through like roughly thirteen hundred calories. But if you do this really really fast, right, which is like when you lose fat. When you lose body fat really, really fast and your metabolism adapts and has to, to do these processes super fast, it also gets more efficient. Your body gets more efficient at storing body fat in your fat cells. I mean, in some cases, depending on if, like, if you're gaining and, and losing and gaining and losing, you can actually increase the number of fat cells that you have. Now, if you do drastic like this all the time, it's something that you've done 20 times, you know, some people have done it more, like 10 times. If you've done it a lot of times, it's likely that it's going to take a long time for your body to return to normal metabolism levels if you go through good diet practices. Um, so I think it can get back to where it is. And then in this particular question with the Biggest Loser reference, there was a study where they looked at some of these, some of these people and... You know, they would go on this very drastic diet. They would lose this body fat. Their, their metabolic rate would go down, like their metabolism would go down. And then they would increase calories. And what they found in some of these people is that even after like six years, their metabolism and their metabolic rate had not returned to normal again in six years. So I, I think when I put out that slide and I talked about it, this particular client might have thought like, oh man, I've yo-yo dieted a bunch. You know, am I ever going to get my metabolism back? I think if you go through a very long reverse diet period, really taking your time, you're patient, you're, you're handling stress well, you're still exercising and you're going through all these things, I think your metabolism can bounce back. But we want to remember that after a diet or after a fat loss phase, that it's easy to increase calories fast, but your metabolism comes up much slower, 
right? So calories increase fast, metabolism increased slower. So that being said, when you're in this period of reverse dieting or post-diet and you do begin to increase your food, your metabolism will bounce back and you can get back to normal levels again, but we just need to take our time. And I, and I do believe just based off of what I've seen working with clients specifically, that it, it, you can get your metabolism back up to where it is. It just may take some time and some patience. So um, to answer that question, yes, your metabolism can bounce back. I think you just need to be patient and you need to take your time. And then it's going to be depend on your specific, like the amount of time that you spent specifically dieting and any damage that you've done to your particular system is going to be individual to you. And as long as you're, you know, taking track of your data and, you know, tracking things like hunger, mood, energy, training performance, cravings, motivation, if you're tracking all these things and they are increasing in a positive manner, then I think you're going to be completely fine. All right. And last question of the day. What are the best rep schemes to use inside of training? Now, this is a very, 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 very broad question, and I'm going to give it a very broad answer because I'm not exactly sure what this particular person was um, asking for in general. So I actually use, <clears throat> actually use. There's a there's a guy named Eric Cressy. I actually use his training chart, I guess, to decide on what you know, depending on what my particular client wants or you know what type of stimulus I'm trying to get from my body. I actually use his. Uh, training chart and you can I'm sure it's on his website somewhere but um, essentially as far as intensity so if you think of intensity as like how heavy you're lifting right the, against like your max ability so intensity could be like a 9 RPE or a 10 RPE which means that like there's like one to no reps left in the tank at the end of your particular set or we can talk about percentages and, and I used to use percentages a lot more and now I don't use them as much but I still use them to look at rep schemes and things like that just to help me to think what I'm trying to do. So we know that you know, roughly about 50, 50% of your maximum ability to lift, like let's say you got a 100-pound squat and you're doing 50 pounds and you're doing it for a set of 10. I think if your goal is to just learn new movement, like to, right, because you're like I think it's not which rep scheme is best. I think it's like what's the result that you're seeking. Like if you're looking to just improve in a particular movement or you're looking to improve in a particular exercise, I think 50% is a good place to start because it's great for motor learning. It's great for like teaching your body to move a little bit better. So now if we're moving up from that and we're looking to like work on hypertrophy, I think we can increase that from, you know, we can get a bigger, broader range because I think at 50% you're going to get a little bit of hypertrophy as well. But I think if you're looking specifically to keep, like, to continue on motor learning, but also work on muscle building, you can start to take that to about 60% and maybe add in tempos. Um, so if you're adding in like a three second down, zero second pause, or I'm sorry, uh, three seconds down, zero second pause, stand up really fast, like in a squat, and you're doing it at like 60%, then you're going to be working on building muscle and still allowing yourself to continue to learn that movement. Now, from there, and we get more into the hypertrophy stuff, like you're looking to build muscle, I think like 70 to 75% is a good place. And, if we're, and, and, and a lot of people listening to this are probably specifically trying to build muscle. So 70 to 75% is probably going to be somewhere between like a 7 and 9 RPE. 
inside of training, which is again, is rate of perceived exertion. That's how hard you're working in a particular set. Seven meaning you got like three to four reps left in the tank at the end of it. And then, you know, nine being you got <clears throat> one rep left in the tank at the end. So, and that's mostly gonna be for muscle building and then rest periods inside of there are gonna be varied depending on um, the particular exercise. Now, moving on from there, we're looking to work on strength a little bit now. I think you can probably stay in that 70 to 75% range, still seven to nine RPE, but we wanna go heavier. <clears throat> we wanna go heavier and we wanna rest longer. Because that way we can work on moving those reps nice and fast and, and being strong there. And then moving on from there, looking purely for strength, I think your effort needs to be like 80 to 85%. Um, now, you know, we're talking purely about intensity. I forget, completely forgot to talk about rep schemes as well. For motor learning, you know, hypertrophy work and like maintaining your strength or beginning to start working on your strength, I think set to 10 are going to be fine. I mean, you can go down to eight if you want to. You can make the argument that six to 10 is going to be great for that particular realm. Um, and, and these are all just general things. I mean, we know that hypertrophy can happen at as much as 30 reps. But it's, it's all based on and going to be relative to the person. But I think just you held a gun in my head and I had to make a decision. I would tell you 8 to 10 reps might be best for developing hypertrophy and maintaining strength and learning how to move in a particular movement with those intensities I discussed. But when we get down into strength, max strength, and, and power development, that you'll see those reps will decrease from like 6 all the way down to you know doubles and singles. And you're going to work and be working from like 80 to 90% on purely strength. And then when we get into power development, which is moving really, really fast inside of a particular exercise and we're using lighter loads, you're going to be doing explosive reps, you know, two and threes for like 60 to 70 percent of your max intensity or, you know, six to eight RPE if you're using that. So you can see there that just based off of that particular conversation, that it depends, as always, is what's going to be my question. But the particular rep schemes that you use and the intensities that you use them, uh, that you do those particular rep schemes at are going to vary depending on what your goal is. So if your goal is muscle building, 8 to 10, some would say like 8 all the way to like 20 is going to be great, working between like 50 and 75% of your max. If you're looking for pure strength development, we're going to be in 2s, 3s, all the way up to probably like 6. Probably even make the argument that 8 would be good, and you're going to be working between like 80 and 90% of your max uh, intensity. And then if you're working to get strong, or I'm sorry, to get powerful, meaning moving fast, low, or to, to move fast and explosive, and you're looking to increase that particular element of your fitness, then you're going to be doing doubles and triples at about 60 to 70% of your max intensity with adequate rest periods involved. Now, that being said, that is all the questions and answers that I have for you today, my friends. I hope you enjoyed the show. And as always, write a review, post it on your, or take a screenshot, post it, let me know you're getting something from it, and have an amazing day, and we'll talk to you next time. And that's a wrap for today's show. I want to thank you so much for listening to the show today. I know your time is valuable and I appreciate every minute that you spent with me. If you're new to the show, make, make sure to hit the subscribe button and to give us a rating and review on iTunes. This is how we grow this podcast and we continue to create amazing, impactful content for you. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram where I post daily motivational content and free training and nutritional information. And lastly, if you've been listening to this for a while and you're thinking about working with me and my team, email me at cody at CrossFit7Cities.com. Hope you have a great day and I'll see you next episode.